I'm Lauren. Hello, I'm Sarah. And welcome to Montalina Mama. Welcome back to another episode of Multilingual Mamas. This week, we're going to be interviewing Robert Ash, principal at Spees Elementary, which is a dual immersion school, Spanish-English dual immersion school, here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So, welcome, Robert. Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for talking to us today. So, we wanted to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit what you do and what got you interested in this particular field. So, um, Robert Ash, I've been principal now uh, going on 13 years and and then I did four year, five years as an assistant principal uh, before that, all in an IB and dual language immersion program school. So I was previously at Ashley Elementary when they had the program and then was actually moved over to Spees to um, try to turn the school around. And part of that process was to bring in a global component. And I specifically said, do I get to bring in immersion? And um, because you know, if we're going to try to turn the school around, then let's have something that we know is going to work. And so it, it was agreed that we were going to try to add more schools in the district. And at that time, they were opening Smith Farm in the same kind of um, mindset of a global and dual language immersion. And so I was fortunate. I um, moved over here in April of 2013 and uh, right at spring break and had a little bit of time to get used to it. And then we were supposed to actually have a year to get ready. And they came back and said, no, we need you to start it this fall. So we recruited open house night, an entire class of kindergarten immersion students and started immersion that year of, tw of the fall of 2013. So as far as falling into it, I, I've Background-wise, I, I didn't really know that this is going to be where I kind of fell into. I am not bilingual. It's poquita. I'm, uh, I'm very good at saying un momento and finding the right people to go talk to and get um, to help answer those questions, but I completely support the program. I wouldn't uh, be doing this job for as long as I have if I didn't support it. And um, I have a 21-year-old daughter uh, who's a junior at NC State who went through the immersion and IB program. And I have a seven-year-old daughter who's in first grade here um, and going through the same process. And so, like I said, I completely support it, believe in it. Um, you know, the United States is the only monolingual country in the world and it uh, is unfortunate and we need to do a better job. And I feel that this is a great opportunity. Awesome, that's one, I didn't realize that you had kids in the program as well. So that's, uh... Uh, putting your money where your mouth is, I guess. Exactly. So, um, can you explain just kind of the nuts and bolts of how the program actually works? In, in a perfect setting, we have our students come in in kindergarten, and in kindergarten, about ninety percent of the day is going to be in Spanish. We want to build that Spanish base in reading, writing, all components, and then as they get older and you move through the grade levels, we start adding a little bit more English to, to the program. And so in first grade, their day may be about 75% Spanish, the rest is English. Second grade, it's about 60%. Third, fourth, and fifth grade, their day is generally 50-50. Um, 
subjects kind of varies depending on the grade level that you're in and, and the teachers that we have and such. But pretty much third through fifth grade, your language arts is mostly going to be in English. Uh, part of that is unfortunately due to we know that they're going to be taking standardized tests, the EOGs in third grade, and we have to have them ready for that. And so, and we do. Um, but ultimately, our goal is by the end of fifth grade, we want to see our students truly bilingual, able to read, write, and speak both languages fluently. What we actually usually see is if you think of a senior in a, in a normal setting, a senior in high school who's taking an AP Spanish class and it's the end of their senior year, um, our second graders are at a higher level than those seniors are. The only difference is vocabulary, high school vocabulary versus elementary level. But our second graders are considered at a higher level than they are uh, for fluency and such. So that kind of validates that we're doing the right thing, we're doing the program right. We actually see um, more students who go through the immersion program are academically gifted because they're working both sides of their brain with the languages. Uh, I've got, you know, 18 years worth of data plus that shows that students in, in the immersion setting perform better on standardized tests than your English only counterparts. Um, again, because you're having to look at it differently and work differently through it. And so we've just always had that data to kind of um, validate the program. I, I think sometimes it's a hard sell um, for parents. I, I will be the first to say for English only parents coming in, it, it's kind of a leap of faith. I tell them it's a leap of faith. You got to give us that time. And for um, English only families who are coming in in kindergarten, you got to give us at least two weeks because at the end of two weeks, your child will know what the teachers are saying in Spanish. The teachers have been talking to them 90% of the day in Spanish. They're going to know what they're saying. They're not going to come home and be able to um, say back what they're always saying and all that. But the teacher's talking to them, they're going to know it. And by the end of a month, they'll be answering in simple Spanish and by the end of nine weeks in full sentences. Um, it's just great teachers with repetition, hand gestures, um, a lot of visuals um, built into the program. And are most of the teachers bilingual themselves, or do you have kind of team teachers? So K through third, all of our teachers are bilingual, and the assistants, and so in kindergarten, every class has an assistant. Those assistants are also bilingual. First grade and second grade, both of my grade level assistants are bilingual. Um, third grade, the person is not, but there's four teachers who are, and you're still with that same teacher all the time. And then fourth and fifth grade, we departmentalize. So you, and that's part of that 50-50 day. So you'll go to one teacher, let's say for language arts and social studies, and that will be in English. And then you'll go to the other teacher for science and math, and that will be in Spanish. So we're gonna bring you back to the community right now. And we were wondering why you think fee is an important program for Winston Salem or our community here. What are the benefits for uh, English-speaking children and also for Spanish-speaking children? So I think it exists to provide an opportunity for learning and it's kind of, it's still unfortunately in the, in the realm of a, a test program. Let's see that it really works. Um, there's other programs that are out there that, you know, the developmental bilingual and the transitional bilingual, which are more centered on your native Spanish speakers only and not your English speakers mixed, kind of like what we're doing. 
And so there, there is some different variances to what they're seeing data-wise for that. Um, but I do feel that it provides um, a needed uh, service and awakening to what is available for learning and learning approaches and styles and, and then just also the opportunity to be bilingual. And then when you get to middle school, the possibility of being trilingual because the program does carry through eighth grade. Um, and so you would be able to be in, you know, in the, in the Spanish immersion for part of your day in English, but then potentially for your foreign language, be taking a third language or when you get to high school, um, which is just going to open up, you know, we're talking about having our students being 21st century learners and, and being able to go um, and be global, globally minded and global thinkers, which fits into the IB philosophy that we are for the International Baccalaureate program, which is school wide here. but the dual language and ID mesh so well, um, that mindset and that learning style. And so I definitely feel um, the, the benefits, you know, obviously for your English, your native English speakers is providing them an opportunity to uh, open up uh, a lot more doors in, in that mindset. I think for your native Spanish speakers, it's also um, providing a couple things. You're going, because your teachers are all native Spanish speakers generally, K2, K3, um, it's providing a, a cultural link um, to the language. But then it's also, you know, if you're an ESL student coming in, English as a second language student coming in, if I just drop you in an English class and everybody's talking English around you, you're less likely to engage in the class because you're, you're, you're not feeling comfortable. This is an opportunity where you can speak English or Spanish and be comfortable about it and answer. And it doesn't matter which language you answer in. Everybody's going to understand what you're saying and what you're doing. And so it kind of gives them a little bit of an advantage um, early on in the class, but it helps them transition over. And we actually see students who do receive ESL services early on screening out of those services faster as they get older than if you were just to drop them in English only classes. That's amazing. So I have a quick follow-up question. I'm wondering, since you have been at Seas for a while now, what is the percentage of Spanish-speaking children that you get at the pre-K level? So, um, so looking at starting in kindergarten, because we, um, unfortunately, I would love to offer the immersion into pre-K, but we don't because of all the different um, logistics that go to that. But starting in kindergarten, about for our school, about 30% of our students are native Spanish speakers. Um, that trend has not really changed. One of the fortunate things with us being magnet is even though our school has grown in size, we do bring in um, some native Spanish speakers from outside of our zone. So that's holding us at about a 30% um, ratio. What we've seen is a change in our, um, our white population. So when I got here, the school was probably 97% uh, minority. And so there's been a direct change in that over the eight years to where we're 22 to 25% um, white now. But what you actually see, and one of the great things is, is with the immersion classes, so like in kindergarten, we have seven kindergarten classes and I have seven first grade classes. Five of those seven are the dual immersion program. So there's only two English classes in kindergarten. There's only two in uh, first grade. Second grade, there's only two out of six. But um, 
So with so many of those students with five classes, when you look at the percentage in those classes, it is about as close as you can be to 30 to 33% Hispanic, 30, 30, 30 to 33% white, 30 to 33% African-American, and then your rest are multiracial families. And so when you're looking at how, how you can become a diverse school, and a diverse program and let people see what the world is really going to be like again this program just fits into it naturally to that and we see that in the classes can you talk a little bit about what the biggest challenges are for students and parents who are in the dual immersion program um you know you mentioned the standardized test scores earlier that parents are often concerned about that is that a real is that a valid concern in your experience so initially i will say that it's a yes because when you have like your native english speaking families and you're in kindergarten and you've done 90 percent of your day in spanish at the end of kindergarten you can't sit around during the summertime and compare where your child is reading versus a student that's been in an english only class now level wise they're the same but your child's been doing it in Spanish and their child's been doing it in English. So I often tell parents, you're looking at apples to oranges. Now, when you get to first grade and we start adding that English component into reading a little bit of their day, you know, 20% of their day, we're adding more, uh, 25%. And that little bit that we're adding is in reading and we're starting halfway through the year, we start teaching them to read in English. And they actually pick up reading in English faster because um, it's just easier to start learning to read in Spanish and then switch over language-wise. And so they, they pick it up much faster and they accelerate with it in that sense. Now at the end of first grade or even the end of second grade, you wanna sit and you wanna talk about where your child is to where this child is. It's apples and apples and your child has oranges because they can do it in both languages and Spanish as well. And so that is that component where your child is starts being able to read in both languages. I think the, the hiccup for parents, and it's more so, you see it a lot more with native English speaking parents than you do with your native Spanish parents. That hiccup is, when is it gonna happen? Um, why isn't it happening now? And so I've had in the past, like a, a parent called me up once at the very beginning of first grade, we had been in school for a couple of weeks, they called me up and they're like, I want my child moved out of first grade immersion into English only. And I said, well, why? And she says, because when we're at church, he can read the Bible in Spanish, but he can't read it in English. And I was like, okay, well, let's stop. The fact that your first grader is reading the Bible in any language is shows that the teachers have taught. Now, give us the time to switch languages and start doing that in English. And once you kind of remind them and explain that, they're like, oh, yeah. Um, and they give you that time, and then they really see it, and the students just flourish. Right now, in, in the world that we're in with COVID and everything else, it's become really hard when the children are at home and I'm a native English speaking parent and my child is sitting there next to me and the teacher's talking in Spanish and I can't help my child. And the parents um, sometimes take their fear of the language and place it on the child. They're, they're like, I don't understand what the teacher's saying so my child doesn't understand and they can't do it. Now, your child being next to you, are they going to ask for help oh, a lot of times? Sure, it doesn't matter if it's in English or Spanish. They're going to, especially the younger kids, they're going to be like, I don't know what she's saying. Can you help me do this? And as a parent, you want to do that. 
and you can't. And so there's a frustration level. And then we've really seen that with COVID. Now, if they were sitting in class and it was a normal situation, they would have no idea what's going on in class. There's a little, you know, there's some frustrations in class. The teacher helps the child through it. They learn, we move on. And, you know, it's all of a sudden it's a couple of years down the road and your kid's bilingual and it's great. But when you're sitting next to your child and you see some of that struggle, you want to just be like, oh, no, I got to take them out of immersion. And we're like, no, 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 it's okay. Give it that time. Your child is really understanding it just because you don't. Or, um, you know, they're, they're at home with the caregiver. Maybe it's grandparents or it's uncle or aunt or they're at a daycare. And it's that same type of frustration. Um, and, and that manifests itself, unfortunately, in the situation, and it really shouldn't. But as far as being like a native English-speaking parent and being able to help your child, nowadays there's, you know, you got apps on your phone that you can take a picture of the page and it auto-translates it for you. Um, you know, there's Google Translate. There's all these other kind of programs that are out there. A lot of times, even for myself, like I remember cases with my oldest daughter, she'd be like, um, hey, I need help with this math. And I'm, I'm like, it's in, the directions were in Spanish at that time and everything else. And, and I and it was before Google Translate and all that. And I was like, all right, I'll tell you what, what did you learn in math today? And she would talk about what they were doing. And, I, and I'd say, okay, now read the directions, which were in Spanish, read the directions and tell me what they say. So she would read the directions. And I'm like, all right, what's it asking you to do? And she would say, and she'd be like, oh, yeah. Okay, and then she'd start doing it. I didn't do anything. But it appeared that way, and I listened to her, and I helped her through the process, but I didn't actually have to do anything. I didn't have to give her the answers or anything like that. I just had to guide her in the right direction so that she could remember. And I think we miss out on that sometimes, uh, unfortunately. So it's just a matter of helping them in that capacity. So what about the, the Spanish-speaking parents? What are some of the difficulties um, they encounter when they've talked to you about? So initially, if they're not familiar with the program, um, and it's like their first time in the program, there, there's sometimes there's a fear of what will the program entail, or there's the fear that, oh, I, I have to have my child in an English class. They, if they're going to be able to speak English, they have to be in an English class. That's the only way that they're going to learn English, and, and that's not the case in, in any way. Let them be in immersion. Let them, they're, you know, they're going to talk to their friends, and it's going to be in both languages, and they're going to they're going to mix here and there. They're going to hear, we know they're going to hear English on the radio and on TV and in the neighborhood and in stores. It's okay. Let that natural flow and give it that time. It doesn't have to be such a direct rush. And unfortunately, when families feel like it needs to be that direct ru rush of, I've got to put them in English now, they're not necessarily learning it any faster. Um, and that's where we see with immersion. And again, going back to they screen out of ESL services faster. It's because they're in the immersion program and they're comfortable with their learning uh, and they can grow from there uh, with friends and, and teachers and all that kind of stuff. Um, it makes a huge difference. And what we actually see is um, when the students are in like first grade, we joke and we call it Spanglish because the kids will be talking to each other and having conversations and they're mixing their words, English, Spanish, English, Spanish, back and forth. To them, it makes sense. It's no big deal. That skill set comes around in about second grade when they can really be like, okay, I'm talking to Mr. Ash, it needs to be in English. Okay, I'm talking to so-and-so, it needs to be in Spanish, and they can go and do that comfortably. Um, and even my own daughter in first grade, there's times that, you know, she'll be singing a song and it'll be in Spanish, or and she's just in the back of the car doing, saying whatever, or because she's thinking about her day in Spanish, she'll ask her a question and she'll answer me in Spanish, and I'll be like, what? 
and she'll be like, oh yeah, or um, you know, and then they like being able to um, you know, kind of show off a little bit. I remember when she was in kindergarten, she'd be in, in the back of the car in her car seat, and she'd go, okay, raise your hand if you can count to 100 in Spanish. Um, <laughs> knowing that I wasn't going to make it to 100 in Spanish. And I'm like, okay, you were in there, you know. So it's it's giving the – it's all about time. It's going to take a little bit of time for the program. You've got to give the program that time to do what it's meant to do, but it's not going to be a one-year wonder. Uh, it, it's a multi-year process. Yeah, it sounds like with the Spanish-speaking parents, it's all it's also somewhat related to their – own fear of you know I struggled to learn English or I struggle with English and so I don't want that for my child and just kind of projecting their own experiences onto their onto their child unfortunately having so many like here almost half of our staff is um bilingual for Spanish and we have other staff from many other countries we have um over half of our staff is from other countries but almost half of them are fluent in Spanish. And so that helps, I think, families feel more comfortable as far as being in the school as well is because you know that you can talk to your teacher or you, you, you know, if it's class dojo and you're getting a message, you can message that teacher back in Spanish. It's going to be okay. They're going to know what you're saying. And so that does create a little bit of a comfort level, um, a, a major comfort level for parents that or I walk into the office and that there's going to be multiple people in the office that are bilingual um, or you know our one of our instructional facilitators is bilingual and you know you got specialists like the art teacher can teach in both languages and that makes a difference that it just helps them be comfortable um, you know we have multiple people at the car rider line that are bilingual and, and just those type of things that help those families kind of acclimate to the school and feel like they can be involved in some way I think that you already touched on this a little bit, but what do you think are the most common misconceptions around dual immersion education? I will say the number one misconception is from people outside of the school that we are only teaching Spanish and we don't teach English and why aren't we teaching kids English and we're doing them a disservice. Um, I even remember when I first came over here to SPEES and part of the immersion program is, you know, 30% of our students when I came here were um, native Spanish speakers. So I, the marquee sign that we have in front of the school said one side needs to be in Spanish, the other side needs to be in English. And I had people in driving by in the neighborhood calling me up, why would you do this? Why would you have your sign and not in English? And I'm like, well, it is in English. If you look on the other side, it's in English. And also 30% of our parents are native Spanish speakers. And if I want families to be engaged, I need to provide it in that language, but then also we're a bilingual school that we're teaching students to learn two languages. Um, it's not that we're not teaching English and we don't have the same values as a school as any other school. We're just doing it in two languages. That's the only difference. Um, and I often have to tell people we're learning the same material. You're learning at the same pace. You're doing everything the exact same as any other English only school. You're just doing it in two languages. But I haven't had that concern from neighborhood or people in the community that were a bilingual school in probably five years. So it's just kind of, and I will say that part of that too is the reputation of the school and people wanting to come to the school and fees kind of changing uh, where we're at demographically and 
um, academically and program wise have made a big difference um, for us. You know, when I came here, Steve's was, we were just under 380 students and we were bottom three in the district and academic scores in every area. And, you know, eight years later, we're probably now at this point, either the second or the third largest elementary school in the district. Uh, we have over 780 kids and we're in the middle of the pack when it comes to test scores and proficiency. So um, it's, a, it's a very different school than where it was a short time ago. That's great. Congratulations. Well, it's the teachers. I, I would tell teacher, I'll put my teachers against anybody anytime. So. so obviously there's the language component to dual immersion, but is there any special attention paid to kind of bringing in Hispanic culture to the school? And do you see integration between the native Spanish speakers and the native English speakers? Or do they kind of self-segregate? How does that all play out? So fortunately, mixing it with IB, again, kind of goes really well with the International Baccalaureate because that has a mindset of multiculturalism that you want. It's a built-in component that you want to compare and contrast to other countries from around the world anyways. Now, part of that is we, we do that by every grade level has a different continent of focus. So like kindergarten is North America, first grade is Europe, second grade is Asia, and so on. But within your day-to-day, -day, if you're in an immersion program and you have teachers and your teacher and the assistant are from different countries than you, and even for our native Spanish speakers, they're from different countries often, um, that is bringing in that cultural component automatically, that the teacher is going to be able to talk about their home country or bring that level into it that helps with that. And, and really, it's funny when you're, sometimes when you're in an English-only school, and this isn't all the time, but when you have a mix of kids in the, in the classroom and it's a birthday party, it may be one group that are all invited to the birthday party or another group or something like that. When, it, when it's an immersion class and there's a birthday party invites, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, everybody is invited and it's, it's just a mix of them playing together because they're playing together at recess. And the language is mixed. Again, you know, in first grade, when we're talking about they're using the different languages, and, and that component comes in. But it really builds to that Spanish culture because it may be, let's say in kindergarten, you're in um, a class and your teacher's from Puerto Rico and the assistant's from Cuba. And you go to second grade and your teacher is from Peru. And you go to third grade, or second grade, first grade, and your teacher's from Peru. You go to second grade and your teacher's from Colombia, and you go to third grade, and your teacher's from Ecuador, um, and then somewhere in there, you know, your uh, Spanish teacher for specials is Argentina, and the music teacher, even though he's from the United States, has recently taught in Russia, in Moscow, in Belarus, and the cafeteria manager is Romania, and drama is India. Um, when you have that exposure to all these different people and these different cultures, it just becomes second nature. Uh, to be thinking about it. You don't think about, oh, they're from a different country, so they're different than me. It, there's no difference. It's just, oh, they, they do things uh, in, a, in a different way, but how can I learn from that? And so, uh, and it goes back to a lot of that comparing and contrasting. So a great example in kindergarten, say we have the fire department come to the school, and when we could, 
Um, and the kids would go out and they would see the firemen and all their gear and the fire truck and all that. When they come back into the classroom, we pull up fire departments from around the world and we talk about what's the same and what's different and why do they think that. Even at kindergarten, we're talking about that. And so that just kind of meshes that component. And so there's a lot less on the racial divide um, in that sense. And, and it's just more about, you know, hey, we're all here together. Let's just play and have a good time uh, for the most part. Awesome. Well, and it, I mean, and, it, and you know, I, I look at it like I'm not, I'm not residential to speak. I'm, you know, technically there's 43 elementary schools that I've gotten her into probably a different school if I really wanted to. Yes. And, you know, we have assistant superintendents who have their kids in this school and they've got 43 elementary schools to choose. And even though we may not have the highest test scores in the district, they have their child in the program for a reason. Uh, and so that, that's a validation to what Keys and the dual immersion program uh, mean and what they're doing when you have um, those people recognizing that and putting their own kids in the program. Yeah, absolutely. Now, moving beyond the classroom, uh, does Keys offer what a regular elementary school would? Things like special education, speech therapy, gifted and talented. Yes. So um, every school actually has to offer speech. And so we do offer um, DC services if it may be that you need uh, resources and some services because you might be a little low on reading or a little low on math. Or if it's speech, one of the really neat things is, is now we have our speech teacher is bilingual. So working with the immersion kids, if it sounds neat, she recognizes that there's gonna be certain sounds that you know, because you're in an immersion class are not gonna transfer over to English as quickly. And so let's focus on those sounds maybe in Spanish, and then we can also work on those sounds as we go to English and, and develop that skill set. So that's been really great uh, in that sense. But um, all the students still get the same services as you would anywhere else. Our academically gifted program, so when I got to speed, we didn't have a single student um, in academically gifted. As soon as they would be identified, they would leave and go to other schools. Now we haven't had any that do leave, they all stay. Um, because of the immersion program and the way it is, again, most of your um, academic students are going to be in the immersion class. And so at this point, we even have classes that at the third grade level when they start doing AG services are dedicated. It's a dedicated class of immersion students who are all academically gifted or can function at that level that are in a class together. And so what you would sometimes see similar at other schools with the you know, full-time AG services, academically gifted service class, you're gonna get that same thing here, um, but be able to do it in both languages with the immersion program. And so we're offering that as well. As we kind of uh, wrap up, do you have any general advice for parents of multilingual children or of children in a dual immersion program? I don't know that I'm ever really wanting to give advice. <laughs> I, I can make a recommendation. No. Um, you know, I, I think uh, recognizing what you want, your goals for your child, what, what do you want? Um, you need to kind of be like, okay, this is what we want. And, and you need to go into it as, as a family, as a team. I think the child needs to be involved in that conversation. Sometimes you get where the parents really want something and, and the child doesn't understand it. And that's just some of that conversation about, you know, this is what we're doing. A lot of times, you know, again, native Spanish speakers, it may be that the children speak English at home. Uh, but let's say the grandparents speak Spanish. 
and the kids don't necessarily want to learn or, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to. All my friends speak English. Well, you, in the immersion program, if you validate it to them, then they can see the value in the program. And I think that's a big part of being successful with it is, is that validation to and supporting it um, and recognizing the end result more than the immediate day-to-day um, -day type of thing. And so that, that has a lot of value to it. Uh, I think being patient with it all. Um, if you think that you are interested in immersion, you know, start looking into it early on. I never recommend if you're, if it's like an English only family or even a Spanish only family language wise, don't go out of your way prepping ahead of time in the other language. Um, we often joke and refer to most of our English, native English students coming in as their level of Spanish is Dora. They've watched plenty of Dora. <laughs> and so, um, you know, they know opera and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's okay. It's our job to teach them that language. Give us that time and we'll do that. Don't, don't try killing yourself by like, oh, I've got them a Spanish tutor and they're doing this and that. Um, you know, if parents sometimes worry about at night, well, what do I, how do I read to my child? We say read to them in your native language. If that's what you do at night, before bedtime, whatever it may be, continue to do that in your native language. And I say native language because we've actually had students who've gone through the program who were um, Arabic speaking. And so they were learning three languages. And we've, we have a small group um, who are actually native Russian. And so they speak Russian in the home and they do English and Spanish in, at school and in the classroom. And so, you know, they're, they're learning multiple languages that way. It's okay. The students can do it. It may take a little bit of time, but they are much better at it than we will ever be as adults, um, at least learning at this point in our life, because um, they absorb it and they pick it up so much quicker. And so just, you know, believe in your kid. They can, they can do it. Um, I think it's important that we mention and be clear that um, all of our research, both of us do research in language acquisition, definitely supports what you're saying yeah. for both types of families that, you know, even being in a Spanish immersion program is not going to keep Spanish speaking kids from learning English. Um, the literacy skills, you know, transfer from one language to another and, you know, can have some general cognitive benefits that you somewhat alluded to being bilingual can help kids with general cognition um, and both Sarda and I plan on sending our kids there um, so we uh, support what you're doing and uh, and uh, our research seems to be exactly in line with everything you're saying Sarda I don't know if you want to add anything yeah no I was definitely very excited to hear about SPEAK being an option for us because um, that wasn't something I knew about before moving here and I can tell you my kid is really excited about speaking Spanish in school he really wants that and the idea of being surrounded by a lot of um, kids from different backgrounds is definitely something that my husband and I want for him so hopefully this becomes eventually this will become the norm and um, yeah looking forward to that for sure well, that's it for today. Thank you so much, Robert. We truly appreciate all the effort and time you put into bringing this program of dual immersion uh, to light in our community. And for those of you listening from home, we will see you next time. Hasta luego.
ever have questions for us or questions about the podcast, go to home and our website at www.multilingualmamaspodcast.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and stay tuned for another episode of Multilingual Mamas.